Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Thank you, band. That was awesome. You guys are so faithful. That's what I was thinking about when we were singing that song about his faithfulness. And I was thinking about how faithful you guys are, how much you sacrifice every week. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, we're going to clear something up first. Our outfits. We did not plan this. We didn't. Promise. From head to toe. Same shirt. No holes in my pants. But same color shoes. I said, I'll probably wear black and white, <laughs> and then I showed up in this. <laughs> so we just, someone said, you plan that? And like, no, we did not plan that. So, my name is Heather Taves, and this is my dear friend, Peyton White. Hi, guys. We're excited to be with you. We're both on the teaching team here at 214, and we don't normally do team teaching. Is this a first for you? This is my first, yeah. It's harder, isn't it? Way harder. Yeah, yeah, it's harder. <laughs> but we made it easy on ourselves. We did. Chat. Yes. So um, before we launch into what we want to talk about today, I want to give a quick recap of the series that we're in in the first two weeks and what we're talked about because they are so foundational. They're both foundational to this series, but they're also foundational to this church. So I want to go back to um, Chris's message, the very first week of this series, Follow Me. And I want to remind us that here at this church, you'll hear this verbiage a lot. You'll hear that we are sons and daughters becoming fathers and mothers who are raising other sons and daughters to become fathers and mothers. This doesn't just imply parenting, okay? Raising, if you look around, there are a zillion little kids here, which is awesome. Um, But it's talking about spiritual motherhood and fatherhood. Um, and we're on, this, we're on this journey together. God is a God of generations. He's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And it says that his blessings on a family last for who knows how long. A thousand generations. So sometimes I think we, you know, we look at a blessing in our life. We're like, wow, God really is blessing my family right now. And then to realize that that blessing will extend for a thousand generations to people who never knew your name. How cool is that? Like that makes my brain just kind of like, whoa. Chris, remind me, how many, how many generations are between us and Jesus? You talked about this. Uh, 77. 77 generations between us and Jesus. So and I think that just makes Jesus feel more real to me. Right. So a thousand is yeah, like just mind so blowing. much greater than that. Yeah. Right. Right. Chris also talked about how we have to be tuned in to hear the Father's voice. God is always speaking to us. You know. And my uh, family was in town. Our big Bennett family was in town last week. There's 25 of us, which is crazy. And um, my niece Brelly had just gotten a little. I think it was an iPod or something that you can put music on. And she didn't have the chip in it yet, so she couldn't download music, but she could get FM radio. And so she had a birthday right before they came, and she was in D.C., and she was tuned in to FM radio in D.C. on her little little device. Well, she came to Peoria, and she came to her dad, and she said, Dad, FM doesn't work here. (laughs) 
And he said, what do you mean? And she said, it's just all staticky. And he said, oh, no, baby girl. He said, you have to tune to the right FM channel because the channel that is in D.C. is not the same that's here in Peoria. And then, like, the light bulb went off for her, and all of a sudden, all these, uh, you know, opportunities of tuning to different stations. It's the same with God. We have to be tuned in to what he's saying. Because what he told you yesterday is probably not the same thing that he's going to tell you today or tomorrow. It's, he's, not, he's a God who never changes, but he's a God who's always on the move. So he's always going to be asking you to tune in to what he's saying. The, the next with that, I would just say you also have to know who he is because you're yeah. not going to hear his voice if you're not opening his word. And so I think it's super crucial to remember, hey, why am I not hearing his voice? Why do I feel stuck? Oh, because I haven't spent any time with him. So it's a yeah. little bit of a two-way street, right? We have to put in the work with our relationship with yep. Jesus. Yep. That's really good. The next thing Chris talked about was how Jesus was on the shoreline and how he called the disciples to follow him. And there was an action that had to take place. There was a responsibility to follow Jesus. He, he was going to go and they were going to follow him or not follow him. It was their choice. This is what it means to be a son or a daughter. And we would also put the word disciple in there. Okay, so when you hear that around here, we're disciples. That's the son and daughter part. Then Paul, later on, after Jesus had gone back up to heaven, he's telling Timothy, hey, follow me, Timothy, as I follow Christ. Okay, this is the father, the spiritual father or the spiritual mother telling the son or the daughter to follow him as he's following Jesus. And that can sound like an egotistical thing, but it's actually a biblical concept. It's how God designed and set up both... In Jesus' name, everything's good. It's okay. No distraction in Jesus' name. It's rave time. <laughs> we'll let you know if there's actually a fire. I'm sweating. <laughs> Thomas, why'd you pull that? It's your fault. They all look like calm back there, so... We'll keep going. We're good. Okay. So, so the spiritual father and mother is the apostle, right? So we are both disciples and apostles. We are both following and we are leading. And then Ike last week, man, what a if good message. If you have not listened to that message, I urge you, whether you're single, married, children, Anyone. no children, it will impact you in a significant way. So what are you going to do this week? Listen to Isaac's message. Listen to Isaac's message. <laughs> so Isaac talked about from Judges 2, the, the people of God, the Israelites, and how they had these generational failures. And because of their generational failures, they passed those on to the next generation. And how when we don't confront those own things in our own life, we pass them on to our children. And what a detriment that is to them. He also talked about this, and I loved it so much. He said, are those that you are following teaching you passivity? Or are they teaching you to learn warfare and how to battle the enemy? The enemy that we have, man, real, a real enemy, Peyton. Not people. It is the devil himself. And if we are not teaching those around us to battle that, we're going to see them crash and burn. Like, it's not pretty when you don't know how to battle the enemy. So... 
we're going to take it to a different place today. We're going to talk a little bit more from a practical standpoint what this follow me idea looks like. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. We're excited to share our story. Yeah. So we've known each other for almost a decade. A decade, which is I was 18 when we met, which is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And I want to give a little bit of biblical background for this because it's so important that we are always teaching from a place of a biblical foundation and not just our own thoughts. Um, so Philippians 4.9, it's going to be up on the screen. Put into practice the example, say example. That was weak sauce. Say it again. Example. Put into practice the example of all that you have heard from me or seen in my life, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. So much of spiritual fatherhood and motherhood is about the example that we set for each other. You know, I love how this translation, this is from the Passions translation. Ike, if you could put that back up there. It says, it uses that word example. Some translations say, put, in to, put, put into practice everything you have received from me. And when I read this, put into practice the example, like something triggered in my mind, and I went, oh, that makes so much sense. You know, like in parenting, if you're a parent and you tell your kids, do this or don't do that, and then you, you turn around and you do it, they're most likely going to follow you, right? Like we're supposed to have this rule in our home that we don't have our phones at the dinner table. And uh, every now and then... One of us will have our phone at the dinner table. And I'm like, how in the world are our kids ever going to, well, they'll be like, well, mom and dad have their phone at the dinner table, so why shouldn't I, right? It's, it's, it's more about what we are doing and showing our children than what we are saying. Um, and I think it's the same thing for all of us. Now, it's not about you trying to mimic someone else or be someone else, I think it's really important that we understand that. It's not me up here saying, hey, Peyton, you need to be just like me, and you need to do everything just like me. It's saying, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus, and learn from someone who maybe has a little bit more knowledge or a little bit more life experience. Um, and I love that Paul reminds it's both what we have heard from you, and it's what we have seen from you. It's both. It takes both, right? Receiving instruction and following the example. The other thing is, I think oftentimes, Peyton, we think of discipleship as telling people what to do. It's not that. If someone's doing that, you're not be being discipled well. <laughs> yeah, like, let me tell you how to make this decision. Or let me tell you what I have done in my life, and therefore you should also do it. There's a time and a place for instruction, for sure. But what I have found is that so often, when you're just telling people all of the things that you think they should be doing in their life, usually there's a little bit of a like, man, I don't, it's like, that's hard to receive, you know? Listening, listening adds so much value to being that example. Okay, so let's talk about our story. Let's talk about our story. Okay. Um, so, I, like I said, I was 18 when I met Heather. Uh, we were attending a church together, and I had very, like, similar feelings of what we're talking about, where she would be on stage, and I'd be like, okay, like, I think that's my gift. Like, I think that's something I should be doing. 
let's be your friend. <laughs> um, and it actually turned out that her daughter was in my ministry. I was in the kids' ministry, and Jules and I met, and I just kind of became Jules's person. And she would not go back to the kids' room without me being there. She would be like, where's Peyton at? So we had this really special bond, and I remember going up to them after church, and I was like, hey, can I just come babysit your kids for free? And from there. Always, yes. <laughs> Always, yes. Um, from there, we just kind of started this really, really cool friendship, mentorship, relationship. So, And the cool thing about the Jules story is that Jules had been in that kids' church her entire life. She didn't know anything about it or anything but that. But then, like, one day she just stopped wanting to go. And it was a – and I was in charge of production and, and worship. I had no, no idea why. But, um, <laughs> like, I could not have her with me. And so I didn't know what to do. And Peyton just stepped into a need in my life at that time time that it was so wonderful. Like you were like an angel. I thought, I literally thought you were an angelic being. <laughs> Those I just think back weeks. to my 18 year old self and I'm like, yeah, I was not bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I quickly found that out, but no. <laughs> no. We've also come through so many other things together. We have a picture of your baptism. Yes. Look at that. Such a special memory. Peyton, Peyton Fair getting baptized. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, I remember I would babysit for you guys, and um, you guys would come home after dinner or drinks or whatever you guys did. And I'd be like, this is my two-hour cry sesh now, yeah. where you would, like, sit on your countertop, and I'd just be like, oh, my life. And Chris would be like, and his, you know that if you've been to their house, you know that, like, the big club chair that he would, like, sit in, and his arms would be up here. And he'd either be, like, scrolling through his phone or drinking his drink, counting down the minutes until I left so he could consummate you know his what? marriage. <laughs> You know what Rochelle calls him when he sits in that chair, right? What? Mob boss. That's hilarious. <laughs> but those are like some of my biggest memories. Yeah. Where I would just be like. Breakups. Oh, about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Breakups. What am I going to do with my life? Yeah. And yeah. you just patiently sat and listened. I also want to know sometimes what you were doing in that moment. <laughs> like what you were thinking. <laughs> what, were, what were you thinking? He has no idea. <laughs> uh, do you want to bring our guys up here? Yeah. Let's do it. Dalton, Christopher, come on up. Come on down. So a little while after Peyton and I had become friends, she met this guy. She, she realized there was this guy in her life named Dalton White. I really didn't like him at first. That's the honest truth. She didn't. <laughs> that, she told me that at one of those cry sessions. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, are you sure? He seems like a pretty good, pretty good dude. Look at us now. <laughs> Two babies and <laughs> going well. <laughs> okay, so tell us a little bit about that journey. Brief, um, briefly. Really quick. Yeah. Um, so we actually left the church we were at serving together, started this little baby church. It's a big church now. And I remember the first Sunday I was um, sitting in worship, and I drove home and cried the whole way home. I called my sister, and I was like, I think this guy, I think I need to marry him. Like, I think this is, like, what my life should look like. Because before, we would worship every Sunday together. And then it was, like, that missing piece for me. Yeah. Um, and so I called him, and he was like, well, I'm going to have to think about it. And he thought about it for what? Did <laughs> 24 it take you, hours? Did you have to ch think about it very long? No. No. He just wanted to make me squirm. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of dated and yeah. served together and did marital counseling with you guys. And Chris married us, which yeah. is really special. Look at that. One of my, 
Dalton. Maybe the best groom response ever. <laughs> the best part was is that he did that at the rehearsal too. He sobbed at the rehearsal. And then he sobbed to get at the wedding. It was so sweet. Yeah. So sweet. So beautiful. So Chris married them, and we've gotten to do life with them now as a couple um, for five years. Yeah. That's crazy. And Dalton, you tell what happened right before Boone was born. You had had surgery, right? Yeah. I had uh, ankle surgery five days before Boone was born. Because we thought he was going to come a little later. Yeah. So we're like, well, I might as well get this out of the way. And that was not the case. Right. So. so, and then what happened when he was born to your apartment? Two days after we got back from the hospital, our apartment f- flooded. I wasn't able to do anything because I was on crutches and lots of drugs. And <laughs> Peyton wasn't able to do some, anything because she had just given birth to our baby. Yeah. So. So they moved in with us. Yeah. And spent Boone's first <laughs> two weeks, two, two weeks of his life living with us. And I, every time you post that picture of him, I'm like, those are my sheets. <laughs> I love it. Benny's sheets. We Benny slept she- in Benny's bed. Thanks, Benny. Benny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just been a really special journey. Um, I also got to learn how to teach under you guys, under, yeah. uh, preach, and yeah. follow in you guys' footsteps. It's been pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks, Thank guys. You. We didn't make it too hard on you. You know, really early on, I would hear Peyton would get up and she would like give announcements or she would just, I don't know, hold the on, microphone like this, be on stage. And I was like, she, she's got a gift. Like God's put a gift in her. And so I remember telling her, telling her one time we were talking about it and she was like, yeah, I think, I think I want to learn how to preach. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. Let's do this. So it's been a fun journey. The first time I ever preached, I'll never forget. I came off this stage and you're mascara was smeared you'd been crying the whole time and I was like wow like that felt like a mom who was so proud of me and it was such a great feeling yeah that's the father's heart in you yeah I was proud of you so I am proud of you thank you um so I want to just end this portion of our story with a story that happened just last week um it was such a beautiful reminder of this whole life that we're all doing together um, you tell the first part. Yeah, so just a little plug here. <laughs> if you're out listening on the podcast or you have a friend who's in this situation, if you are not coming to church because you're afraid of how your kids will act or how your kids will respond or what that will be like, um, since we've been in this building, my kids, I mean, this is the only church my kids have ever known, and they've been struggling. And last week, I was, like, in the middle of worship. I was trying to, like, kneel down and, like, have a moment, and Boone's like, like just like trying to get my attention and I'd already been building up on this for like four weeks and I was like okay like I'm, I just got to get out of here so I walked out the doors back there and I went and sat on the couch and I just was like <laughs> I just started crying and Holly happened to be out there and she immediately came over and she's like are you okay and I'm like of course I'm not okay my kids <laughs> um, but she's like hey let me pray over you so she starts to pray and immediately Boone falls and like starts crying I'm like okay bro like I'm trying to receive right now can you just figure it out but as she's praying the last thing that she says is she asks the Lord for breakthrough and after that, I went in the bathroom and, like, fixed my makeup, and I came out, and Heather comes out holding Rhett, which I was like, oh, I left him with my sister. This is new. And then, you want to show that part? So, Rhett was up here dancing. If you can't see these little boys up here dancing during service, you literally need to come up here yes, and watch do. them because it yes, is 
beautiful. But um, they were getting a little, it was a little less worship, a little more who can shake their booty the, high, the fastest. <laughs> so Becca had grabbed Lex and I grabbed Rhett and I was just holding him and he was like, I went down, I went down, I went mommy, put me down, put me down. And, and I was like, Rhett, let's, let's just worship Jesus. And I just, I just held him close and he was still kind of squirming. And I felt the Lord say, start to, start to prophesy over him, start to pray over him. And so I just started to speak over him. And I was like, Rhett, do you, do you see what they're doing up there? Do you see who's on stage? Yeah, it's Phil and it's Blakers. And we started talking about who was on stage and what they were doing. They're praising Jesus. Can you praise Jesus? And he was nodding. And then the, the Lord just gave me this word for him. And to be honest with you, I don't even remember much of what it was because it was just in the spirit. The Lord was just giving me these words to speak over him. And I remember specifically one thing is he, he has an anointing on him. And so I was praying over his anointing and as I'm doing it his face was up against up against me like this and I just felt his whole body just he just relaxed completely relaxed it was like he was overcome with the presence of God I have had that happen to me I've seen it happen to a lot of other people I've never experienced it happen to a baby who is in my arms. And he stayed that way for probably three or four minutes as I just held him and we just experienced this moment together where the spirit of God overtook this little boy's body. And when he, it was the, we were done and then um, he looked up at me and his eyes were like this big and I said, Rhett, did you feel that? And he said, I said, that was Jesus, buddy. And then I got to come out and share this with Peyton and she's bawling again and like it's a it's a theme in my life it's okay we have several of those in this church (laughs) it makes up for those of us that (laughs) don't cry very much um but it was so beautiful to see that while Peyton was battling her own thing out there there was someone in here battling and and prophesying and praying over her son and that that is what the body of Christ looks like. That's what it looks like to do life with one another where it's messy and good and hard and all of it combined into one thing. That's good. Um, I was talking to a friend about this after this experience that happened, and she said to me, most often the babies will feel the presence of God first because they don't carry the burdens and the fear that we as adults feel. And I was thinking about the verse later on that says that we're supposed to have childlike faith. And so like Rhett experienced the manifest presence of God, we all have that same opportunity. We just have to choose what we're going to leave at the door when we come in here. Yes. So you, like, I I just want to remind you, like, you can experience that. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about how spiritual fatherhood and motherhood work best. All right, this isn't um, a here's, we're sharing how it works in our lives, but it isn't a one-size-fits-all, here's the box, unwrap the box, this is how you need to do it. It's, it works best when it's organic, you know, when it's not forced, when it's, when it's not something that is structured. There have been so, several times where we've tried, I've tried to do structured mentoring with people, and honestly, it, it just doesn't work very well when it seems like a task. It's, le- it's less of a connection and more of a task. And so this is really about connection with one another. Um, It's about doing life together. So Peyton is gonna talk a little bit about age. 
age. Age. <laughs> um, so you can learn from the example of people who are older than you and people who are younger than you. And this is actually something I've struggled with because I am pretty young. I was one of the youngest on the teaching team for a while. But once the, the Lord delivered me from my fear of man, these things started to just fall off me. And um, I actually had a really cool opportunity. I moved, we moved in September of last year to a um, new home that we love, kind of. I want to sell it. It's fine. <laughs> I'd move, I would move like every year Day if I could. rooted. I know. Less My husband stressful. is home for good, so we're going to stay rooted. <laughs> Um, but I, we were creeping. We had like just to put an offer on it and it was accepted. And I think it was like after church one Sunday and we just pulled in and we're like trying to see if we can get in the doors and like going in the backyard and looking around. Wait, and did you own it yet? Uh, I don't think we owned it. You were trying to get into the house. <laughs> yes. Yes. This goes back to my like investigation yeah, skills that I have. It's creepy. We can talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I come back around and I get an Instagram message from someone that says, hey, did you guys buy that house? Um, I live three doors down. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we bought it. <laughs> um, <Liar>. Super cool. <laughs> so we moved in and um, it wasn't until like literally this year I started to build a relationship with a girl who lived three doors down. And the funny thing is, is she knew me when I was a teenager, like a little girl. She was friends with my oldest sister. And, you know, I'm one of those people that can be, like, in your face, in your business, like, hey, let's go to church. She's nodding her head at me right now. She's looking at me. Um, and it took some time and some pressuring and some, like, forget about it. Like, just come. Bring Shelby. Like, she has this really special daughter who's handicapped um, that she was nervous about bringing. But she knew so many people and had so many connections. And I would bring dinner down and drinks down. Like, I wasn't stopping. Like, if I'm your neighbor, I'm your neighbor. And here she is today. She's here. And I'm so thankful. Um, so Chris is talking about neighbors. He, like, has her whole message down pat. And I think, hey, guys, we can influence the people around us. And they're our neighbors 90% of the time. Because how often are we home? all the time in my case. And so there are people right in front of us that we sometimes just miss because we're busy or we want to rest. And those are great things, but the Lord has placed people in front of us for a purpose. Yeah. And I, I think it's so important that we remember that spiritual fatherhood and motherhood isn't, doesn't have to be the older person leading the younger person. Yeah. There have been so many times in my life where I have learned something from Peyton, or I've learned something from my 11-year-old daughter, or I have learned something from a two-year-old who surrenders in that moment to the Holy Spirit, yeah. you know, and so let's like take that idea that in order to lead someone, you have to be older than them and just chuck it out the window because that is, that's not yeah. from, the, from the Lord at all. Yeah. I do remember someone in my life, we um, have been friends with Rob and Margie Craig who are older than us for a few, a while now. And I remember someone saying, you're friends with them? Like, there's kind of an age gap there. And I'm like, duh, like, it doesn't matter who we're friends with. Um, another mentoring experience that I had was with my sister, Leah, which most of you know her. I don't want to share too much of her story because I think the Lord really wants to use that story in a significant way. But I got to kind of mentor my big sister. And, oh, that's my tooth. <laughs> Keep going. Keep talking. Pretend like okay. it didn't happen. Oh, my gosh. That was embarrassing. Why did I say that? Anyways, 
my sister is so special to me. Um, man, the fact that she stands here and she leads worship and she's had prophetic words spoken over her is a big, big deal. And I've seen her walk from darkness into light and it's beautiful and I love you. Um, and so I just want to remind people that motherhood and fatherhood starts in our homes. And it's with um, our siblings. It's with our parents. I got to hear a really cool story on Wednesday at Youth that um, Alex Gray basically led his dad back to Jesus, back to a, um, a thriving relationship with Jesus. Um, it's with our kids. Um, it's with our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents. It starts with our families. Yeah, that's so good. So, I know a lot of people are like, that's great, and you guys, like, found each other, and that, that sounds like a perfect scenario. How do I find that? That's, and I hear that often. Like, how do I find that kind of person in my life? Well, I would say it starts with what do you need? So do you need someone to follow the way that they their marriage works? Do you need someone who can give you advice or an ex set an example in good parenting? Find that and then go talk to that person and say, hey, can I follow you in this? Will you help me in this? I remember my parents, when I was real itty bitty, my dad worked for a man who had a family business and they had four kids. And my parents said their parenting, their kids were so well behaved and so kind that they said, we want to model our family after that family. So here's this, you know, 40-some years ago, my, my parents picking out this family and saying, we want to model them after that. Maybe someone, maybe you have a heart for business. You want to start a business or you need help growing your business. Find someone that is, you're like, man, they're, they're, they have such a good business mind, Sarah Sklasky. I mean, find someone and then go, can I follow you? Like, can I learn from the, the knowledge and the wisdom that you have? Don't let your pride get in the way to be, you know, be humble enough to say, like, I don't know how to do this as well. And if that person is someone who is living a godly life and has a heart for people, they will be like, yes, absolutely. But one of the things that I want to be really clear about is that it takes a sacrifice from both parties, Okay, it takes a sacrifice to learn from them, and it takes a sacrifice to help teach them. It requires responsibility from both parties. There have been several times in my life where someone has come and wanted to, me to mentor them, or me, and they wanted me to do all the work. They wanted me to do everything, and that it doesn't work that way. It has to be both parties agreeing to sacrifice for, for one another. Uh, my friend Ryan, I asked him if I could use this story. The best story on this Such that I've story. ever heard. Yeah. So he, there was this guy, is this guy in his life, and um, older than him, and successful in ministry and in business and in life, and Ryan was like, I want to learn from him. So he asked him, would you mentor me? Could I meet with you? Could I have some of your time? And the guy literally said, sure. Meet me at my house at 6 a.m. and you can go on my walk with me. You bring the questions. And Ryan did it. He would go walk with this man, bring the questions, and this man would answer his questions and you know, speak life over him and encourage him. But Ryan was sacrificing by getting up at 6 a.m. It's a sacrifice, right, right? Yeah. 
And this man was sacrificing by giving up his alone time on his walk. It took both parties interacting like that. So be mindful of that too. When you're asking someone, when you're leading someone, it's also part of your responsibility. When you're following someone, it requires a sacrifice too. Yeah, that's good. I wanted to touch a little bit on um, like what's the practicality of starting in your home. Um, and also, like, what it's like to be a teenager or a young adult and to be a spiritual mother or a spiritual father. So just from my perspective with littles, um, a lot of our, um, what's the right word for it? Uh, basically, a lot of our, what our child sees and what our child does is in our control. Like, we get control over that. So um, can deciding what your kid watches, who your kid spends time with, um, that you're going to set the example of eating around the table and doing family devotionals and things like that. And then they get a little older and it's still, you know, what are you allowing your kid to do on their phone? Are you monitoring that? Are you monitoring whose homes that your kids are in? Um, the phone at the table thing. Um, and then with young or with adults, I just want, like, if you are a parent of an adult child, your kid still needs you. Your kid still needs your wisdom and your guidance. And so um, what does that look like? That looks like maybe um, your mom coming and making a meal for your family after you've had a newborn baby in your home. Or um, I know someone else whose family um, around Christmas time, they get together and they do devotions and family meals and they set challenges together, which I think is just so cool. So that's kind of the parent's perspective. Um, I also have been discipled in other ways. Um, The first one is I have two really great friends, um, Sarah and Katie, and we actually built this really cool bond serving the church together. (laughs) So... um, you might not always get best friends serving the church, but you find some of the greatest people who become just really good friends. And so we've built this relationship. Um, Katie just was like, come on, guys, we should get together and pray. We should get together and pray. And Sarah and I were like, yeah, great idea. We don't have time for that. And then when we finally were like, yes, we have time for that, we built this I've never had a friendship like this before where, you know, there's communication every week. Hey, this is going on in my life. Can you pray for this? Hey, my kid just did this. Can you pray for this? Like whatever it might be. Hey, you know, my child's in foster care. Can you pray for this situation? And it's been so cool. But I've also been discipled because we're all different ages. (laughs) And I've learned a lot from those girls. And then the next picture is another really special, unique group of people where we are all, where we all are similar ages, similar um, life seasons that we're in. And I this group, the things that I have learned and the ways that I have been challenged have been incredible. And I'm just going to say this. Y'all don't have to agree, but Mama Blake is the girl in that group who literally rallies around us. She has been a spiritual mom for me in ways that you probably don't even understand. I love you. Thank you. Um, so with that, I just want to encourage you guys that it doesn't have to look like this. You know, it can look like bigger groups of people. It can look like um, you and your mom or you and your dad, those are, there's so many different ways you can be discipled. It can look like me with my teenagers or, you know, um, even Benny, you have the ability to lead and father people that are your age. Um, I wanted to touch on 1 Timothy 4, 7 to 12. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there. Um, this is the Passion Translation, so your phone would probably be better for it. <laughs> it says, be quick to abstain from senseless traditions and legends, but instead be engaged in the training of truth that brings righteousness. 
For athletic training only benefits you for a short season, but righteousness brings lasting benefit in everything. For righteousness contains the promise of life for time and eternity. Faithful is the word and everyone should accept him. For the sake of this ministry, we toil tirelessly and are criticized continually. Simply because our hope is in the living God. He is the wonderful life giver of all the children of men and even more so to those who believe. Instruct and teach the people all that I've taught you. And don't be intimidated by those who are older than you. Simply be the example. They need to see by being faithful and true in all that you do, speak the truth and live a life of purity and authentic love as you remain strong in your faith. And I just think this is such a cool verse. Um, For first, the fact that uh, Timothy is actually, or I'm sorry, Paul is writing this to Timothy. They were letters he was writing to him um, as a mentor teaching Timothy. And then later on, Tim actually goes on like some trips with Paul and learns from him. And so it wasn't just like do all these things and I have all the right answers. And he actually followed him. He actually was being mentored. He was being taught. And Paul was being taught by Jesus. Um, So just some examples of this would be like asking someone to walk through something with this this similar situation, like you were talking about marriage, finances, um, family, things like that. Um, Really quick, what, could you give me a definition of righteousness? Of righteousness? Yes. Yeah. Righteousness is, is just simply right standing with God. You know, Jesus went to the cross and paid the price and the penalty for what we deserve for our sinful nature. Jesus took all of that And because of his work on the cross, we became righteousness. And so, therefore, we are able to stand before God with the righteousness of Jesus on us and have right standing with God. Yeah, that's so good. I also love um, that this verse talks about physically training our bodies. So who in here works out on a regular basis or works out in general? Does it count if you want to? (laughs) No. (laughs) No. I had said when we were like talking about this, I'm like, I will definitely not be raising my hand at that point. (laughs) But I also want to talk about how it's even more so that we train our spiritual bodies. Um, We spend a lot of time getting help for our mental health. And those are great things. Um, Dieting, health care for our bodies, all those things. But sometimes I think that our spiritual bodies, our spiritual minds, our spiritual souls also need work. And so what does that look like? Um, that looks like Dalton and I sitting down with Chris and Heather recently as we worked through something we were going through. Um, that looks like, I mean, the same things that we've been talking about. I think there's a stigma that as Christians we don't ask for help, which is the biggest lie on the face of the planet. Um, because if we didn't need help, we wouldn't need Jesus. That would make, mean that we were perfect. And so if there is something that you need help with, Um, there are people who want to help you. Heather and I would love to chat with you. Dalton, the person who brought you, we would love to help you and get you the help that you need. Yeah, that's really good. We, our world emphasizes a lot about what we can see on the outside. And there are, you know, so many self-help books and you can Google anything these days to find out what's the best skincare for this week, you know, like all of these things. And yet, we spend so little time actually working on the spiritual side of our lives. So, 
It's good. There was um, actually an experience where I was uh, working out pretty regularly with um, a friend of mine. And I remember telling her, I'm like, hey, I'm going to have to take a break. Like, the Lord and I are really wrestling with something. And, like, I feel like there's a block. And it's because I was putting my spirit or my physical body above my spiritual body. And so I feel like people, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you um, are just walking through hard stuff, maybe it's because you're putting other needs ahead of your spiritual body. Yeah, it's good. All right. We're going to wrap up here in just a minute, but I want to talk about this thought that we are all leading someone. You might be sitting there and you might be thinking, okay, that's great, but I'm, nobody's following me. Everybody has someone following them. You just might not realize it. We all have people that are watching us, that are following us, that are learning from us, whether it's what we post on social media, whether it is what we are um, communicating by how we um, keep our homes. You know, we all have someone watching us. We had an experience this last week where a neighbor, a different neighbor than our neighbor that that Chris shared about, um, commented to me that Bennett was one of the best kids that he had ever met, and he wanted um, his friend, who was a little bit younger, to come and experience and get to know Bennett. Like, I've only talked to this guy one time. Benny, have you talked to him, like, once or twice, maybe? Like, twice, okay? And it's because he had watched him. He had watched him be outside, playing with his friends, and how he interacted with people, and we all are being watched. We're all an example. And what are we doing with that? And there's this phrase that's been going over um, in my brain since we've been talking about this. And it's that our, all of our lives are living examples. But what are we pointing people towards with those living examples? You are an example. But are you pointing people towards godliness? Or are you pointing them towards worldliness? It's one or the other. If it's in the middle, then it's towards worldliness. If it's complacency, if it's just like, eh, then it's towards worldliness. It's either the world or towards the Lord. And I think it's really important that we all think about that. Like, what is my life, what is my living example of my life pointing people towards? And then I want you to ask the question, who is following me? And be intentional about thinking, how do I lead them well? Don't just take it for granted that people are following you. Don't just think like, well, you know, yeah, they're watching my life. But be intentional. When you post on social media, be intentional about what you're posting because people are watching. People are following. And then the same, who are you following? You know, you can be following someone and you don't even realize it, but you start to emulate them. You start to talk like them, dress like them, no pun intended. (laughs) Totally joke. You know, you start to, to mimic the things that they're doing. So if you are following someone who is leading you towards the world, you will walk towards the world. If you are following someone who is running hard after Jesus, you will also end up running hard after Jesus. So I just, I just want us to be really mindful of that because it, it, it's more important, it's more real than I think we give it time and credit for. Um, just to wrap up, I just want to kind of challenge you guys. Um, every single 
person we come into contact with, every single person we rub elbows with has the potential to be discipled. So it's, you know, Brenda at High View with the fiery red hair who bags my groceries. Or it's the barista who hands you your coffee every Saturday morning. Or um, it's the, the guy you've been working with for three years who seems like he's hopeless and, and desperate for something. Um, I think we all need to re- be reminded of that desperation that we once felt. Because we were all desperate and alone at one point in our lives. Until we met Jesus, until we met the Father that fills all of those places that were empty and dry. And um, I know that not every person at the grocery store is going to be someone you're going to disciple. I totally get that. But what if it's the spark? What if it's the fire that changes our city, right? Because we're carriers of Jesus. And it's our responsibility It's our responsibility to make sure that people are seen and loved. And then it's Jesus' responsibility for the salvation. So um, it's your neighbors. It's it's, um, the people that you see on a regular basis at baseball games or at soccer games or whatever that looks like um, at the gym if you're a gym person. So um, I just want you guys to remember that desperation feeling and remember that we're the ones who can start the fire and fan the flame. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing with me. I like our story. I do too. (laughs) Would you stand up? We want to pray over you. Jesus, we are so grateful that you set an example for us that was perfect. You set an example for us that we don't have to strive towards. We can just freely accept. We can freely accept what you've given us, what you, the sacrifice that you paid on the cross but you are continually asking us to follow after you. God, I pray that as we walk out of here today, our hearts would be stirred for what it is that our lives are leading others towards. Are we leading others towards an intimate walk with you, an intimate knowing of who you are? Or are we leading others towards fear? Towards a lack of courage? Towards a negative outlook on life? Father, would you just shift something in our hearts right now that would cause us to understand the importance of the examples that our lives are every every moment from the small things to the really big things. And Lord, I pray right now for the person in here who feels lonely, who feels like they don't have someone who's spiritually leading them. They don't feel like they have a spiritual mother or father. And I ask right now that you would provide that person for them. Give them the courage to ask someone to to fill that role in their lives. Send people their way, Lord, that would help them on this journey of following you. Lord, I thank you for Peyton, and I thank you for the anointing and the call that you have on her life and for the way that she and Dalton are running hard after you and they are sacrificing so much in their life in order to pursue what you have for them. I thank you for Boone and for Rhett. 
Lord Jesus, would your, would your presence be felt so strongly in their home this week as they serve others so well and as they lead others towards you. Thank you for this day. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name.